move this over carefully. Yeah, that's better. How's everyone doing today? Good. I'm glad to hear. Hey, I'm good. Thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so today we're looking at Psalm 23, uh, which I, I don't know if this is the same for all of you, but Psalm 23 brings me a lot of comfort, um, especially uh, knowing that I'm going to be preaching soon. So obviously, today's the day here I am. But, you know, the weeks leading up, I, I tend to kind of stress myself out with the thought of public speaking. Uh, believe it or not, I'm terrified right now, <laughs> uh, which from what I understand is pretty normal, but I, I tend to hyperfixate on it and psych myself out and create this anxiety in my head that, that I, I can't do this. There's no way that I can do this. Um, but when we remember that we have God with us and we have the Holy Spirit within us, uh, there's, there's really nothing that we can't accomplish. Uh, so really, I rest in that, you know, to, to kind of calm myself. Uh, obviously, prayer is important. You know, talk to God, talk to Him. Uh, he talks back through His book, so read that as well. But talk to God, and He'll He'll answer. He'll comfort you, um, which I have found extremely helpful uh, pretty much every time that I've been up here. Um, so just remember that as we uh, as we look into this today. So I uh, I've said this to our students before. When, when I first took this position, I, uh, you'll, you'll notice as I'm speaking, you know, the story that I'm going to get to here, but uh, the account of Moses in the burning bush, you know, we, we see Moses approaching the burning bush and God calling him to ministry. I mean, really, I mean, to rescue his people and to lead the, the Israelites out of slavery into freedom. Uh, that is a ministry. That, that is ministry. He is leading a people. He is shepherding a flock. Uh, you know, we, we see Moses argue with God several times. I mean, he's making excuses left and right. Uh, I've, I've done that. I've been there. I, I get it. Uh, Moses finally settles on uh, a point where he says, uh, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow to speech and of tongue. Uh, that is a incredibly relatable for uh, how do I say this without being too degrading? I, I was not a good student in school. Uh, English was bad, bad. I'm not good at it. So when it comes to words, I, I'm not eloquent at all by any means. Um, a lot of people say that Moses had a speech impediment. Uh, I kind of do. I, I don't know if you noticed my lisp, but it's there. So it's just what it is. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, there are times when I struggle to find my words. You'll notice... In my Bible here, I, I have everything written out that I'm going to talk about today. Uh, that's because my mind is always going 100 miles an hour everywhere. So I can really relate to Moses. But then you look at Moses' ministry and what he did with God. Um, you'll, you'll see that God, God appoints Moses. He, you know, he kind of levels with him and says, hey, I understand that you can't speak, but your brother can, so go get him. Uh, but, but when we... When it came down to it, Moses was, a, I guess, a better servant of God because when he went up the mountain, who's the one who made the calf? It was Aaron. Uh, God chose Moses. Aaron came with him because Aaron could speak. So um, Moses had God on his side, and 
I believe that, that we all have God on our side, and I have God with me today who's going to help me get through this. So uh, not, not to say that I'm not enjoying myself, because I am, but, you know, there, there is that level of anxiety. So uh, if, if you take anything from this lesson today, from this sermon, I want you to, to leave with this on your mind. God is with you. All right? God is with you day. God is with you at night. He's always with you. Uh, so and that is a huge comfort to me because there, I can't do anything without him. So uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Uh, Lord, Father, I, I just pray uh, for this message today. Um, pray that people are able to listen, that their ears are open, and even more so their hearts are open. They're able to take in what I'm saying and, and maybe be comforted by the fact that you are our shepherd, that you care for us, that you love us, uh, so much so that you you sent your son to lay his life down so that we didn't have to do so. Uh, I'm so thankful for that, Lord. I, I pray that you give me the words and that it's not me up here, but it's you speaking through me uh, and that we're able to just enjoy our time here together. I ask these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, so uh, God is quite frequently in Scripture related to a shepherd. Um, uh, It's throughout Scripture. I mean, it is everywhere. Um, There are things that we need to understand about the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. Uh, So I have a a picture. If Silas, you want to pull it up. (laughs) Isn't he handsome? (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to remember what they... I think they named him uh, Barak or Barak recognized from the Bible, uh, and Camp Barakel, which, what does Camp Barakel mean? What does Barakel mean? God is with us. So, um, interesting, because this sheep uh, wandered away from his flock, and he, this is actually, this is about five years of wandering. Um, uh, to, to understand sheep, you have to understand that that's a miracle that that sheep survived. They are helpless. We'll get to that a little more in the future, very soon, but um, sheep can't do anything on their own. They need a shepherd to lead them. They clearly need a shepherd as a barber. Uh, you know that. So they. This is actually. So this is actually a photo, a still shot that I grabbed from a YouTube video that that showed up a while ago um, about about sheep, about how how desperately they need a shepherd because if they wander, there are so many different factors that go into their lives that they can't get themselves. Uh, this sheep, they, they found it in the woods. I mean, you know how big a sheep is. It's probably about this big, but he's about as wide as he is tall. <laughs> uh, that is, there's actually 80 pounds worth of wool on that sheep. Um, so, yeah, no, that's a lot, of, uh, a lot of extra weight hanging on. So this sheep actually ended up having arthritis and a lot of bone issues because of the extra weight that it was carrying around. Uh, all because it wandered because it didn't follow its shepherd, because it didn't stay with the flock. Uh, again, it is a miracle that the sheep survived, but it did, um, which is why they named it Barak, or Barak. Depends on how you pronounce it. Uh, so this shows us that sheep are in need of a shepherd for care. Sheep are dumb animals. I, I, so something I want you guys to realize is we're compared to sheep all the time in the Bible. Uh, don't take it as a compliment, because it's not. Sheep are dumb animals. Uh, I don't know how many of you are shepherds here today. I'm willing to bet the answer is zero. Um, we were just talking about this in Sunday school this morning. God 
and Jesus use a lot of farming and a lot of uh, cattle herding or sheep herding uh, analogies within the scripture. That's because it's such a commonplace thing in the time. Uh, today we don't, we don't really have that as much. Um, but sheep are dumb animals. Uh, there are stories of them even walking into open fires. Uh, they have no sense of direction, and they are animals of habit. They'll continue on a normal path to a, to a depleted food source, even though there's food available two yards away. You know, they'll wear down the same path, even though 10 feet that way there's a nice green tuft of grass that would feed them really well, because they're such habitual animals. Um, sheep are not good swimmers. You've got to think about it. Have you ever gotten a wool sweater wet? It's pretty heavy. Now, an entire sheep wet, it's going to sink. It's going down. Uh, so, uh, and you'll notice that in Psalm 23, we're told that God leads us by still waters. Just like sheep need to be led by still waters because they will panic if it's running water because they know it's not safe for them. Uh, as I mentioned, sheep are defenseless. They don't have claws. They don't have sharp teeth. Uh, you got to think about it. They are, they're completely defenseless. They're just little puff balls with legs. I mean, <laughs> uh, so if a predator comes, all they can do is flock and hope that they're not the ones that are going to get picked off this time. Uh, again, we have a constant comparison within Scripture of ourselves in comparison to sheep. Um, sheep are helpless and we're helpless. Sheep wander and we wander. David understood this relationship between sheep and a shepherd because, you know, as we all know from our Sunday school days, um, children's church days as well, he was a shepherd as a boy. Uh, you, can, you can kind of picture it. I remember vividly the, the images that my Sunday school teachers would show of David with a sling and a shepherd, or in his uh, shepherd's staff, protecting his flock from a lion. Um, that, that is completely accurate. That is what they had to do. Uh, being a sheep means that you're fully dependent on your shepherd and, and you have to do it humbly. David understood that. David knew not only what it took to be a shepherd, David knew what it took to be a sheep because of the relationship he had. You have to understand that being a shepherd uh, today is a little different from being a shepherd back then. Back then, it is a 24-7 job. You're with them constantly. Um, you're with them day, you're with them night, protecting them, feeding them, getting them water. Uh, Psalm 23 is a great passage that shows us the true love and care that God provides for us. Uh, so now I'm going to go ahead and read Psalm 23. Um, I'm sure most of you know. It's pretty famous. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So today we're going to look at seven truths of God's care for us, God's love for us. The first one is uh, and you'll notice, I think there may, might be some typos. And I was going over it last night, I noticed that, but um, just follow with what we're having up here. So the first of which is that God completely satisfies us. We read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, with God we have everything. There's nothing outside of God that's going to 
satisfied. Um, there are times we look around in the world and see people who don't know God. They indulge themselves with sinful behavior thinking that it's going to satisfy them. I'm sure you've seen it. I don't know, maybe you've even tried sharing the gospel with these people who, who say, I don't need God, I have this and this. But a lot of times these are the people who, who end up with you know, suffering from, from depression, feeling empty. Um, they long to feel some sort of fulfillment, but what they're really missing is God. Thankful that we have Him. We should not, we should not ever try and keep that just for ourselves. That's something that we need to spread to people so that they can have the same fulfillment that we have in Christ. Um, God completely satisfies. We see this elsewhere in Scripture. In, in Psalm 34, 9 through 10, we read, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. An interesting thing that I find in this is that it specifically says, Oh, you saints. Um, if you want to have no lack, be a saint. Follow Christ. Follow God. Follow his plans for your life. He'll be close. He'll lead you. Um, he'll, he'll lead you into still waters. Uh, in the closing of the book of Philippians, we read that... Uh, says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in, in glory in Christ Jesus. Um, and then in Luke 22 20, or through 23, uh, and he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither reap nor sow. They have neither... They have neither storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Uh, you know, we, you know, the thing that we have on birds and everything in creation is we are created in God's image. Uh, that's how much He loves us. That He created us in His image. He's going to shepherd us. <clears throat> Lastly, in Matthew six thirty-three through thirty-four, we read, "But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you." Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Uh, that, that really, you know, a lot of these scriptures, as I was putting this all together, you know, with that anxiety level that I, that's almost constantly in my head coming up to these times, um, it's really nice to read that and, and remember that I can, and I, I can cast my anxieties on God and he'll take them away. Um, I don't have to worry because he's with me. The second point that I want you to know today is that God graciously provides for us. Uh, we see this in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. Uh, we see this pattern throughout scripture of God providing for us. Uh, you can think of the, uh, I know that the gospel project, we recently, you know, all of our children through our high schoolers just went through the exodus. Uh, actually, we're still in the end of the exodus and the conquest of, of the promised land, but we have, uh, you know, there are multiple times within, actually, it's almost constantly, that the Israelites are complaining. They're hungry. They're thirsty. Uh, you know, God, God could say, no, why, why should I provide for you guys? All you've done is complain these 40 years that you've been wandering the desert. But that's not what he does. He provides manna from heaven. He provides quails. He provides uh, water, whether from the bitter stream turned 
sweet or from the rock two times. Uh, God provides the sustenance that we need in our lives. Uh, we also see, this one's a, maybe a little out there, but when, when Jonah's sitting on the hill awaiting Nineveh's destruction, he's being scorched by the sun, and, and God provides a plant to cover him from the sun. Tim, <laughs> uh, at the variety show, Tim did an awesome, an awesome thing on Jonah. So maybe we'll bring that back sometime for you. <laughs> uh, the thing with Jonah is he he wasn't very appreciative of that. Um, God provided judges to help rule Israel in the time of the judges, and then they asked for a king in their foolishness. They they wanted to be like the nations that surrounded them. They already had a king. They had God as their king. They had the ultimate king, but they wanted to be like everybody around them and have a human king. So they asked God for a king. Actually, they asked Samuel, who then asked God. And God said, sure. Um, he, it's not written directly, but you can kind of read in the undertones, sure, but you're going to regret this. And they did. Uh, we've been going through that with the joy group over the last been a while. It's, it's eye-opening, the, the things that we're going through. So if you're able, Wednesday mornings, join the joy group. It's a good time. So I can attest to this firsthand. When I was first asked, what would stop me from following the calling to be a youth pastor here at Oakwood? Uh, I was first asked by Bob. You guys all remember Bob. Good old Bob. I think he's in the UP right now, actually, from what Facebook says. But uh, he, he asked me why I wouldn't think about being a youth pastor here. I made all kinds of excuses. Uh, Brad then, several months later, asked me the same question. And you know, there comes a point where you have to stop ignoring God putting people in your life, in your, in your life, to tell you what you should be doing. Uh, and this is pretty much the point. But my my biggest thing was was finances. Um, I'd been in pest control for seven years. Most of you know that. I actually owned my own pest control company, and I owned my own plowing company. So. Uh, you know, there, there were lean times for sure, but a, a lot of times we were pretty comfortable. So um, my biggest fear when taking this position was the, the pay decrease, which, you know, it happens. Uh, Brad encouraged me to remember that when we trust in God, there isn't a thing that he can't do. We, I, I, my wife and I prayed about it a, a lot. There was a lot of prayer going on because it's a, it's a big change going from, from what I was doing to this. We've been fine. God's taken care of us. God's provided uh, because he provides for us. Um, in Ezekiel 34, 14, and I want to preface this by saying we're going to be in Ezekiel 34 a lot today. Uh, if you've never read it, I recommend it. It's, it's a uh, passage where God is, is essentially rebuking the shepherds of Israel. It says shepherds. It's, it's the leaders, the Israelite leaders who are in charge of the spiritual lives of Israel. Uh, they aren't doing a very good job. And uh, we'll read on that God eventually says, I'll, fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> uh, but in Ezekiel 34:14, we read that I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. Uh, that, that's such a beautiful thing, God saying, essentially saying, you guys aren't doing a good job. I will go get them, and I will lead them to everything that they need. 
which again, that's the role of the shepherd in his flock. That's the role of the shepherd uh, with God as our shepherd. All God wants is for us to trust him. All God wants uh, for us is, is for us to uh, love him and care for him. Everything was created to bring glory to him. Um, we see this again in Isaiah 40, verse 11. Uh, it says, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. So there it is again. He will gather the lambs in his arm. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are young. So again, we see God's provision. God is going to gather up his lambs into his arm and carry them and lead them. Now, the third point this morning is that God overwhelmingly restores us. Now, we read in verse 3, he restores my soul. Uh, I I'd recently... I guess it was last fall. I did this, uh, this a little different lesson with the, the joy group. And uh, one of the things that I found fascinating with the term he restores my soul is he restores my soul can actually, in, in the original Hebrew, uh, can be synonymous with forgive me of my sins. Uh, so when David says he restores, David was a sinful man. I mean, we, we all know that. Yes, he was a man after God's own heart, but he's a man just like us. He sinned. We sinned. Um, so we see here that uh, God restores us. God forgives us. It's a beautiful thought that God cares enough for us to restore us. How many times have you been stressed? How many times, <laughs> how many times have you been angry, sad, disheartened in any kind of way and and after praying to God, after praying to your creator, you feel completely restored. Uh, I don't know about all of you. I've had that personally. I know my wife has had that. I can tell you my mom's had that. She had to do this to me. So, um, she's not here. I'm hoping she's watching. But uh, thanks, Mom, for putting up with me. Uh, and happy Mother's Day. <laughs> uh, we read in Psalm 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Uh, a lot of times we find restoration in the scripture. Actually, very, very frequently we find restoration within the scripture. That's another important reason why we should be staying in our word and, and staying with the scripture as frequently as possible because you can be restored from this. Um, as I mentioned earlier, prayer is when we talk to God. The Bible oftentimes when he talks back. Uh, it's not the only time, but it's, it's, he's never quiet. You just have to read it. It's pretty easy. Uh, in Isaiah 41, verse 10, we read, fear, we read, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. I will strengthen you. Uh, we, you know, there are times where we feel really, really weak can't do anything on our own, but when we rely on God, as I mentioned, and I'll, I'll keep saying it, there's not a thing we can't do without him. Uh, so we need to lean hard on him. Uh, there's something incredible about God upholding us with his hand. The love and care that he shows with this thought is an incredibly hard thing for us to even think about. Now, the fourth point for you today is that God purposefully guides us. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
So something that I didn't mention about shepherding is that today, shepherds aren't a thing that we think about when we think about sh- keeping sheep, right? I mean, when, when, I, when I think about modern sheep keeping, I picture a dog. <laughs> uh, we, we have a, an Australian cattle dog at home. His name's Blue. I know, we're creative. Because uh, the other name for them is a blue healer. So, uh, honestly, he was named after Blue's Clues. It's an um, important show to me when I was younger. So, <laughs> so cattle dogs are typically associated with, uh, take a guess, cattle. But they also use them to keep sheep. Uh, cattle dogs are really stubborn dogs. I can promise you that. Uh, they, they don't lead the sheep or the cattle. They chase them. They nip at their heels to get them to do what they're you know, telling them to do. Uh, we've experienced this at the dog park. I'm sure my sister can remember this. Now, we would take our dogs to the dog park down in Vicksburg, and there's Blue. He's probably about two years old, just circling up all the other dogs, running around them and barking whole time. It's obnoxious, but, you know, he's our dog, and this is what they're bred to do. Um, they circle them up, chase the sheep into pens, and another common sight today is people, maybe, maybe not as much today with modern technology, but uh, you can picture, you know, the old western people keeping cattle on a cattle ranch would, would be on horses. Again, not leading the sheep, they're following the sheep. They're herding the sheep instead of leading them. Uh, today, an even more common sight, not in, probably not as much in southwest Michigan, but uh, is, is people leading, chasing sheep on dirt bikes or on quads. Um, these are things that we see normally. But, but we have to remember that we today don't have the same viewpoint, because it's been made a lot easier with technology, as they had back then as far as shepherding goes. It is a 24-7 hour job trusted you with their lives because you're with them all the time. Um, we just spoke about this last Sunday at Rooted. We're, gonna, we're going through John on Sunday nights, and we came to the account of Jesus as the good shepherd, where he talks about the sheep in the sheepfold. This has been a very sheep-filled week. I just want to let you all know. This was just last Sunday we were talking about this, and, and here I am this morning talking about shepherds and sheep and everything. That's not the point of today. It's not all about sheep and shepherds, but it, it is important because we need to see the relationship that God has with us in a way that we can kind of grasp as the way that shepherds have with sheep. Uh, you know, we have this, this account in John about Jesus as the good shepherd, and he's talking about the sheep being brought into the sheepfold. Well, a sheepfold is, is basically sheep daycare. <laughs> I just thought of that, actually. Uh, it's where you would bring your sheep into a common area where all of the shepherds would bring their sheep when they you know, got tired or whatever, and they would all be in one area. Well, what happens when you come you know, six hours later and all the sheep have been intermingled? Well, if you spend all of your time with your sheep, they know your voice. And Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. And all you have to do is walk into that pen, call them, and they'll follow you. They will follow you. That's the key. You lead your sheep. Uh, so we follow God because of the relationship that we have with him. Uh, God has not failed us. God will not fail us. Uh, he can't because he's God. 
God doesn't fail. We fail. We need to follow his lead. And if you're looking for what he's leading you with, again, I'm going to keep saying it, the Bible. So Psalm 5.8 says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your ways straight before me. And then again in Isaiah 42.6, it says, And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, in paths that they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light. The rough places into level ground. These things, or these are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. And then in Proverbs 4.11 we read, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the path of righteousness. God leads us. Follow him. He knows what he's doing. I promise. Uh, next, God triumphantly delivers us. Uh, you know, I, I grew up here, obviously, but you know, there was a time where I you know, wasn't here as much. Um, in those times, that, you know, you, it, the interesting thing about Psalm 23 is it's not just known to the church. You know, I, I used to listen to a lot of rap music, and uh, I, I can't tell you how many different, different rap artists out in the world would use, uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Um, because even some of them understand that God cares for us. Uh, God guides us, God leads us. So even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. <clears throat> this is another one of those, oh, okay, I think I lost the page now. That's too bad. Maybe. Sorry, bear with me for a second. Yeah, okay, we're good. So this is another one of those themes that we see throughout Scripture. It's the deliverance of God. We have a way of getting ourselves into sticky situations. Um, I don't know about you guys. I've been there. Uh, God has an amazing way of delivering us from those. Uh, what's the, what's the, biggest, uh, the biggest story of deliverance in the Bible would be, again, the Exodus, right? Moses going and saying, let my people go. And Pharaoh eventually allowing it to happen. Uh, God delivered his people. He promised that they would have their promised land, and he delivered on that promise. Another one that comes to mind is, uh, boy, I'm glad you guys can't see my notes. I can't spell. Uh, another example that comes to mind is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You don't want to know how I spelled those. Uh, <laughs> it auto-corrected it into Shamrock. So it's, it's Shadrach, not Shamrock. Uh, they refused to bow down to the chocolate bunny and they were cast into the furnace. Um, sorry, that's the VeggieTales version. Uh, I hope some of you got that joke. The VeggieTales version, they work in a chocolate factory and, and the big cucumber guy, or maybe he's a pickle, Nebuchadnezzar, he makes a chocolate bunny and they have to worship it. And when they refuse, they're cast into the furnace. And there's a fourth person in the furnace with the three of them. God, and he delivered them from that situation. Um, the Bible doesn't have a chocolate money factory, so uh, that's not the actual story, but it works for children. Uh, so God, God was with them. They refused to sin against God, so they were cast into the furnace, but they went in unscathed, and they came out unscathed. I mean, it's so hot, it says that people that were close to it got burned. So you can imagine how hot this fire is. Not that it has to be super hot to be. Um, God delivered them. 
Charles Spurgeon, in his Treasury of David commentary of Psalms, mentions uh, it is not the valley of death, but the valley of the shadow of death. For death in its substance has been removed, and only the shadow remains. Someone once said that when there is a shadow, there must be light somewhere, and so there is. Death stands by the side of the highway in which we travel, or in which we have to travel, and the light of heaven shining upon him throws a shadow across our paths. Let us then rejoice there is light beyond. Nobody is afraid of a shadow, for a shadow cannot stop a man's pathway, even for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill. The shadow of death cannot destroy us. Let us not, therefore, be afraid. I will fear no evil. Christ defeated death. Uh, pretty cool, isn't it? Uh, we don't have to be afraid of it. You know, I, in, in preparation for this, I was watching um, a sermon that Francis Chan gave in, in California probably about seven years ago uh, before he you know, started going a little crazy. And, uh, and it, he, he tells over and over again how he would have these fears in his, in his life and that while leaning on God, these fears eventually went away and how people would constantly be talking to him saying, you know, aren't you afraid of this? Aren't you afraid of that? He would always say, what do I have to afraid of, or to be afraid of, when, you know, he'd be in dangerous situations. And one of the things he said is, are, are, am I going to die when I get to go to heaven? What's there to fear? I get to be with God in a way I've never been with God. I get to be in his physical presence. You, there's nothing to fear, because at the end of everything, we just get to be with him. That's such an awesome thought. Uh, in Psalm 138.7, we read, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. Uh, it kind of mirrors this text pretty closely. And in Psalm 3, 3-6, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. You guys ever think of that? You, you wake up in the morning, because God sustains you. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against him all around me. Uh, this happened to David a lot when he's fleeing for his life from Saul. Um, he's taking refuge in caves. He's taking refuge with the Philistines, being chased by Saul, but he's relying on God, trusting that God's going to protect him. In Psalm 118, 6-7, we read, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Now, this verse really kind of drives it home. What can man do to us when we serve and we trust and we follow the God of the universe? And then we're going to go back to Ezekiel 34, this time verse 12. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he's among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. But God delivers us. The next point is that God compassionately comforts us. In verse 4 we read, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I, I forgot them, but uh, Pastor Brad has his shepherd's staff. You guys might remember that. And I, I don't have a, I don't have a uh, rod, but I have a baseball bat. Um, 
the same idea. You know, the, the shepherd's staff is to lead. The rod is to defend. And God has both as shepherds do. Uh, we use these to protect them. This is throughout the Bible. We read this. First John 4, 8. There is no love in fear, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. When we're living in comfort, in the comfort of God, we have nothing to fear because of his love for us. And because in return we love him. Ezekiel 34, 16. So back in Ezekiel. I told you. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured. And I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Not only does God seek us out, but he, he brings healing and strengthens us. And the last point I want to make today, is it, it really in my mind is a uh, kind of the, the center point to the entire message. And that's God abundantly binds. Uh, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because we are children of the living God, we get to live in the house of the Lord forever. It's like Francis Chan said, if I die, I get to go spend eternity with him. So why should we be afraid? Why should we fear? Why should we have anxieties? Why should we have anything negative in our minds when we have this at the end? When we leave our physical lives here on earth, we get to enjoy God in a way that we never have before. Um, more so than that, we get to enjoy that presence with him for eternity. Uh, we also see this earlier in this very same song. Um, for thou art with me, for you are with me. It depends on, you know, your version, but you are with me. Uh, I'd argue that, actually I wouldn't argue, that is the center point of this verse, of, of this entire chapter. Um, then in Psalm, and I'll, I'll get to that here in a minute. Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and acquire in his temple, in his temple. John 1, 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood nor of the will flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Uh, there's, there's a special closeness between a parent and their child. Um, as, as it is Mother's Day, um, we recognize that. We recognize the love and care that a mother has for their children. They are with their children. Uh, my, my wife down here, hi Sky, say hi. You don't have to. But, uh, she's a stay-at-home mom. She, she homeschools our kids. She takes care of our house, our dogs, our ducks, our uh, everything. Um, she's with my children all the time. Uh, so she knows this relationship between a parent and a child, as most of the parents and children in this room do. Uh, so, so when we see that he gave them the right to become children of God, we can kind of start to understand that relationship of start to understand the love that God has for us, that we're called his children. The beauty of this presence of God is that it's everlasting. Uh, we'll have it here today, we'll have it tomorrow, but we get it for eternity after 
so there is a, I was, I was kind of going back and forth, even Brad and I were going back and forth on this. Uh, there, there's this pattern in Hebrew poetry um, where it's called, it's called a chiasm. I'm not going to get too far in depth with it. I'm sure Brad can give you more information. I've not studied Hebrew um, at all, so I can't really, <laughs> I can't really uh, give you the original Hebrew word for everything, but I, I did study the poetry, and the, a chiasm is essentially, think of the verse in, in an X shape where the, the top mirrors the bottom. So the beginning mirrors the end. And then it mirrors and mirrors all the way until the middle. And the middle is the main point of the chapter. The, the very center of the X of Psalm 23 is uh, that God is with us. And that, and that he, and there, guys, this is all over the old, it's all over Psalms. It's not just in Psalms, it's in all the poetry in the Old Testament. Uh, you can find it everywhere. It's a little more difficult to see in English as it is in Hebrew, but it's all over the place. And uh, it really helps better understand what they're trying to, to teach, what they're trying to show us. Um, so because we are children of the living God, we get to live in the house of the Lord forever. When we leave our physical lives, huh, my pages came back. All right, back to where I was. So in closing, uh, I just want to stress the importance of, of having a trusting being his sheep. It, it's such an awesome thing that we have that privilege to have God as our shepherd, to have God to care for our every needs, uh, all of them. I mean, every need that you'll ever have, he's, he's got it. Uh, there's nothing he can't do. There's nothing he can't accomplish. Um, a personal story in closing that, that my wife and I have dealt with in our lives. Uh, so most of you know my son. He's not here right now, but he, he's downstairs. Um, he was diagnosed with epilepsy at 18 months old. And, uh, you know, that, that can be a really difficult thing to go through. You know, he, there are times where we blamed ourselves. You know, he bumped his head a couple times, and we went, that must be it. You know, we had genetic testing. We had everything. And, and it, just, it just happened. Uh, times were really difficult. There were, there were a lot of difficult times. And, and we learned to fall back on God, to put our trust in God that he knows what he's doing. Uh, those days, by the way, he'll, Sky, what date? What date is he? May 14th. So next week, my son will be three years seizure-free by the grace of God. Um, so during that time, you know, it's very difficult to watch your, your innocent child suffer through stuff like that. If it weren't for that, I would not be here today. I don't mean that in a sense of I wouldn't be alive today. I mean that in a sense of I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be serving God today if I did not build my relationship with him through those difficult times. Uh, even in the hard times, guess who's there? It's God. Man is going to fail you, but God is there for you. It's going to be difficult. We're, we're actually, we're promised that it's going to be difficult. We're promised suffering in life. But Christ overcame that suffering, and he suffered way more than we did. So we just need to remember to rely on God. He's going to take care of us. He's got this. Um, 
We just need to, uh, when he abides with us, we need to abide with him as well. We need to be in his word. We need to be in prayer. We need to be trying just like he is. All right, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for uh, this opportunity to preach this morning. Thank you for, for um, giving me all of these people, putting these people in my life to, um, to be here through this journey with me, Lord. Um, thank you for you. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for, for being with us. No, that's a thing that we can take for granted sometimes. And sometimes it doesn't feel like you are, but you're there, always. Thank you for that, Lord. I pray that as we leave here today, we remember that you're with us. And that we were able to teach these things to our children. Such an important thing, especially on Mother's Day, to remember the role that a mother has in the lives of her children. And we thank you for them as well, Lord. And I pray as we go our separate ways, we, we have a blessed day. We enjoy our day spent with our mother. Sings in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.